There is a place that lives on the corner of somewhere and infinity. A serpent of space and time that slithers through the cracks of reality and injects your dreams with the venom of what if. A seam so vast that no amount of logical cock could fill it. And yes, I'm talking about the hardware goo. It is called the Betweenovers. me a break. Stop drugging us. You're going to give us permanent brain damage. Dirk, wake up. Dirk, we've been knocked out again. Only this time, we're hanging from ropes instead of bound to a chair. Oh, I'm already awake. That's a first. He didn't drug me. And why is that? Look, Russ, you're a fighter. If he hadn't slipped you more coma juice, he'd probably snap him in half like yesterday's breadsticks. I wasn't going to put up a fight. He gets that. He's reasonable. Dirk, you didn't even try to get free? Oh, yeah. Let me go ahead and activate super friendship mode where I gain the strength of ten waiters and duke it out with the one-man bandsaw by my lovable lonesome. Get real. My ace in the hole is a pocket full of Dirndl Grinder brand Nixie dust, which, while simultaneously delicious and excruciating when applied directly to the peepers is completely thwarted by old Petey's judicious application of a mask. Side note, I'm just now realizing that the long stack of ants making their way conga line style into my pants have nothing to do with our new friend and everything to do with my secret weapon. Fair enough. Did he say anything? Reveal any of his plans? Any clues what this is all about? Nope. He just trussed us up like nerd pinatas and then went through yon big brand spooky door. Fantastic. Well, at least we're dangling now. I'm going to attempt to shift my body weight and start swaying back and forth. If I can pick up enough momentum, I can grab that pipe over there. Uh, Rusty, you might want to cut that out. Rusty, Rusty, you might want to cut that out. Stop it. Stop it. Don't get all Stockholm on me now, Dirk. I'm trying to save us. Thanks for the help. No, no, I don't, I don't mean stop trying to save us. I mean stop pendulating. Dirk, I'm trying to focus. I can't breathe. What's happening? Yeah, that. The super smart guy who nabbed us did some kind of rope wizardry, and now if we wiggle too much, the neck part gets all choky. That is some impressive knot work. You're telling me. I was just trying to pass the time with a few swing arounds and then I got all throat-hugged until I was blue-balled in the face. Learned some things about myself. Things I like. Well, this can't possibly get any worse. A cool floor sauce. Imagine all the tree houses you could make. <sighs> now what? Usually, when the Fallow Crown leaves the battle axis after a successful quest, there's a feeling of stepping out of darkness and into the light. This is very much similar to that, save for a fleeting split second where everything hiccups. A blast of static. 
the world flips upside down for just a moment and then writes itself. And the four of you step out into the ring, unsure of what just transpired, to a very quiet reception. No one waits for you. Oh, did I conk out there for a little while? We couldn't have done that bad. No, where's the... Where's the maintenance crew? When you step out, the world feels very heavy, like gravity's increased slightly. But when you move your limbs, even move your jaw to speak, everything feels kind of floaty, just off. Usually to anybody else, this would be disorienting, but Wuxia has experienced this without a question before. Anybody else feel like they're swimming at the bottom? Not only does no one wait for you inside of the ring, but it seems as though the usual Magitech machinery that hums and pulses, constantly monitoring and surveying the strange magic of the battle axis, lies dormant. I... I I don't think this is right. Uh, something's wrong. Any of you know where the master on lever is? I don't know how any of this very complex machinery works. Hal gives a little two little claps just to see if uh, anything turns on when he does. <laughs> the sound that it should make seems very muffled. Perhaps something to do with the heavy weight of this strange gravity or the ambience that surrounds you. Well, um, I guess we don't always need a a receiving crew, we can we can probably wrap up here and go home. Is the bracelet still lit up? It seems like it is active in that it has its internal power source, mm-hmm. but it doesn't seem to have any kind of like flicker, like it's responding to any of the magitech of the area. Okay. Maybe everyone's waiting back at home for us. Maybe they planned a surprise party. I ain't never had one of them before. It's a shame that the quest you were on was highly dependent on a lot of physical endurance, which is why Iavos didn't join you, because he might know more about the Magitech than any of you. Not that he's an expert. Is the collar inactive? This room is inactive that you're in, and it seems you're probably on the base floor because there's no moving up or down like you're used to experiencing. Hmm. As you make your way down the small corridor that leads to the exit of the collar, the sliding doors are closed, and you see two strips of yellow material, uh, almost like a wide ribbon stretched across them, and a shredded piece of paper that was once stuck to the door. Is there any writing on this ribbon? The ribbon itself has symbols on it that you've seen a couple times while walking through the halls of the aura complex and once or twice on the armor of a zenithal guard. It's some sort of biohazard marking. That's less than ideal. Uh, well, we can't just stay in here forever. It looked like the parchment that was stuck to the door was a kind of written warning, um, but it's been ripped off. Only little bits of it remain. You can see, like, the official crest of Zenith and the spokes as though it was some sort of official documentation. 
and the tape looks like it's been here for a long time. It's faded, barely sticking on. Uh, hello? Anyone home? If if there's a a, a biohazard out there, um, I'm immune to disease. I could go see if I can find any help that would let the rest of you follow me. I've been called a biohazard before, but I'm happy to let you take a look. I was about to say, living with Wuxia as long as we have, I imagine we all have a healthy resistance. Oi, we're inoculated. <laughs> we should just take some of the quarantine tape and put it on Wuxia like a prom queen sash. Hall <laughs> <laughs> <Our> monitor. <laughs> well, the good news is the exit, while usually controlled via proximity by Magitech is very simple to unlatch and slide open. Will, this whole situation feels fishy. Oh, I I find it quite dry, just heavy. If it's fishy, maybe I should come anyway. Now's not the time for that, Wusha. <laughs> well, something definitely is not right. Let's say if there was a contamination then other paladins could be here to escort us. Leading the charge, Halifon slides open the door, counting on their ability to resist any kind of disease. And uh, it leads into the rest of the observatory in the outer ring and the near office space, like domain, that all the workers mill about in. And there is nothing but silence. Some of the chairs have been knocked over, the paperwork on some of the desks looks like it's in slight disarray. But it's the silence that's the most disconcerting. So, uh, we miss a holiday? This... This doesn't make any sense. We can't have been in the excess for that long. This all looks... Old. Did we... Did we pull an Iavos? <laughs> That's never happened in the Axis before, has it? I make sure to stretch my Iavos every time we go. What? <laughs> I asked if I if we pull if we pulled an Iavos, and he said he makes sure to stretch his Iavos first. <laughs> no, I, you know, I'm just trying to picture what Wusha's Iavos is, <laughs> anatomically speaking. You do notice that many of the other office doors, and even some of the windows here in the outer ring have identical strips of yellow tape X'd over them, some of which are torn down, and all of them have these pieces of paper slapped onto the center. Are any of the papers whole still, where we could read what they said? You can collect a few of them and uh, kind of jigsaw together the different words, and it essentially reads a very simple message of Zenith in its entirety is under quarantine. You are not to leave this establishment or bypass this portal. And yet no one is here. And clearly some of the directions have been ignored as some of the tape has been ripped away and doors are slightly ajar. If I go through the offices and look for some paperwork, what's some of the dating? What's the most recent piece of a dated document available? Based on the date that you entered the ring, it looks like roughly one year has passed. Okay. Wuxia will take one of the strips of cloth 
that are blocking places and tie it around his forehead, a la Ryu from Street Fighter. Mm. Look at everybody and say, I think this is a good plan. I think the tape is meant to keep the sickness away. (laughs) (laughs) That makes sense to me. Pentecost begins tying tape around herself as well. (laughs) So, we've been gone for a year now, Gasper? Uh... At least that's probably the last time work was done here. And folk got sick in that time, and all left here. If you were sick folk with a day job, where'd you go to get better? Aura? Clerics of Aura. Let's see if we can walk there. You all have a rough idea on how to get to Aura from here, though Zenith itself is a vast sprawling network of corridors and skyscrapers. You've got a pretty good clue. Yeah, normally we'd take an elevator, wouldn't we? There are many elevators that can be used, but there's also some stairways. We're probably going to have to take the stairs if there's no power. You also notice as you're looking about and taking in the sights of this strange, silent, abandoned workspace, that moving feels odd uh, and there's kind of a tingly, numbing taste in your mouth. And a lot of the papers that you looked at, while you can decipher the text on them, it seems like they've been faded much more than they would in a year's time. I don't like this much. I think we should see if we can find anyone at Aura. And if something's gone wrong, either try and restore power... So we can get out of here? Or he looks, you know, uncomfortably at Gaspar. Do you think if we found a ship, you'd be able to pilot us down onto Ira? At least there should be people there. As long as we can get those dock doors open and there's a ship that still works, I can make that happen. Let's call that plan, plan B or plan C then. Well, following your memories on how to get to the Aura headquarters, you head out of the ring, having to manually open some of the doors along your way, and taking a couple of staircases, despite your acclimation to the ease of elevators, and make your way out into the main thoroughfare of the hub, the promenade where most of the residences and businesses take place. And uh, there are kiosks and maps everywhere that kind of show where to go on Hub, very much like this massive super mall. But the streets and the buildings are dead silent. There is some debris, as though garbage has been left for some time, laying out. And there are some large mounds of what look like broken off doors and windows erected into sort of miniature barricades and every window and door in sight is X'd with yellow tape, either broken or hanging on barely. Even the illusory sky that's projected overhead to simulate sunlight and clouds to help the citizens of hub feel a sense of normalcy. It seems opaque, faded, All of the skyscrapers seem blurry. All of the fabricated gardens 
seem like the leaves have been curled. They haven't been tended to. Some of them are overgrown, and some of them are completely bare of all vegetation. We picked a weird time to come home. Are we on the wrong side of the barricades? They seem to be not all facing in one direction. They're acts of desperation, some of which are near buildings, some of which are out in the street, and some of which could have just been a result of a building being impacted. But you don't notice that much damage to many of the buildings. These are probably collected pieces, not debris. Gaspar, do you want to have a a quick poke around one of them barricades and see if there's any signs of a tick? I mean, would it be obvious? Because aren't the barricades already, like, well-worn down? They are, though there are different ways that a barricade can be attacked. That is true, that's true. Um, So I will go to one of the more ravaged barricades and try and see if uh, there's a sign of what kind of damage was being done here. Is it a whole bunch of splattered blood, sure. magical burns, arrows sticking out of it. This barricade in particular looks like it was made from furniture inside of a ground floor apartment, which has a window very nearby to where the barricade was erected. Um, almost like a lean-to of a broken couch and a couple of mattresses, and then a door that's been taken off the hinges holding it up. And... Underneath the lean-to, there's nothing but a very faded kind of a stain where a puddle may have once been. And the barricade itself looks like it's covered with lashes, not of physical impact, but more of a corrosion. Corrosion. Hmm. You can see, having moved forward to inspect the barricade, that further up the street, closer to the center of the hub, there are some very large wagons present that seem to be parked in front of several large buildings, unattended, again, seeming as though they haven't been active in quite some time. And in and around them, there are several large metal boxes that all look very uniform, clearly created by Zenithal Tech, almost like perfect pillboxes, but all roughly between four and eight feet long. There's probably 20 of them within your line of sight. And they are surrounded and covered in yellow tape. Usar will start heading over that direction. Going to check those out. It would seem that there are zenithal guard wagons and aura medical wagons that have been brought out. And these are not horse-drawn wagons. These are powered by Magitech because this is Zenith and they live in the future. <laughs> um, <laughs> but these boxes look like they were being collected, stacked in the street, and then put onto the wagons. But now there is no evidence of that being continued. And as you get close, the size of them, you can't help but think that they're very much coffin-sized. I'm going to knock on one. Anyone own? There is no hollowness to it. It is completely filled to the brim. Is there any seam or lid or anything like that? It is a very fine mechanical seam, but a seam all the same. And it's wrapped up in this this yellow tape, yeah? Haphazardly, draped over the top, stuck on with whatever adhesive lasts through a year of decay. And as you inspect the seam, you can clearly see that there is a tiny bit of a very 
greenish-brown slime trickling out from inside of these Magitek coffins. Oyal! Hal will uh, leave where he was looking at things with Gaspar and walk over to where Wuxia is. You are made aware of the coffins and the leaking brownish-green liquid that seems to be seeping out from all of the ones that have any kind of give in their steam work. Hmm. Should we open it? That seems remarkably stupid, but lacking any bitter ideas. I look around at Gaspar and Penn to see what they think. Cutting to Gaspar and Penn. As Wuxia and Halifon are inspecting these wagons and their contents, I'm going to have the two of you roll me a perception check. All right. That is a 13 for Gaspar. That is a 19 for Pentecost. All right. Well, Gaspar is on high alert, constantly watching the windows and doors, waiting for some kind of ambush, as Gaspar is trained to do. Pentecost also being very much a predator and having a sense of uh, survivability, keeps her eyes to the skies. And you notice, as mentioned, a lot of the large buildings and skyscrapers in the distance seem to be almost blurry and faded. But you can make out from many of the windows, especially on the upper floors of them, the buildings themselves have this brownish-green sludge oozing out from the cracks in the window. Some of them are broken, and there's actual gouts of it just sort of hanging, thick like rubber cement. That is disgusting. Do you see that, Gaspar? I'm afraid that there's going to be so much more disgusting things. Which is a perfect cut to Wuxia and Halifon cracking open <laughs> one of these coffins. How do you go about breaking open this metal box? I assume there's not like a crowbar or anything around, is there? Not at present. You could probably break a piece off of this wagon and fairly simply use it to pry it open. Maybe. I mean, it has like a door, right? Yeah. You have Woosh grab one side and I grab the other side and we just pull in opposite directions and try and wrench it open? Absolutely. Um, you don't even need to roll. While these are made to be held closed, you can tell that they are not controlled by a latch, but they are in fact magnetic. And it's a fairly powerful magnet, but the two of you are well-built individuals. And getting your fingertips into the cracks, you start to pop it open, and the second the magnet begins to release it all, the force of the expanding slime inside bursts outward. And I'm going to have the four of you roll me initiative. Oh! Fuck. That is a 24 for Gaspar. That is a 19 for Pentecost. I just happened to have like a big Chessex mat rolled out on my table from the D&D game I did last, which was super mm -hmm. convenient for our encounter. So I've got Gaspar at 24 and Pentecost at 19. Wuxia has a three. I rolled nice. a one. Hal has an eight. I rolled a seven. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> What's your dex bonus, Hal? It's only plus one. Okay. Um, so this coffin, this medical sealed biohazard coffin bursts outward. The ooze splattering the sides of the wagon, pushing the two of you off of the low bed. And it also clings to some of the other coffins and you hear the sounds of their seals being popped. <laughs> Further back in the street, maybe 30 or 40 feet where 
Gaspar and Panikos are on lookout. Some of the above windows from very tall buildings, these big globs of brown and green slap into the street with a heavy impact, one of which just destroying a barricade underneath it. As these globs of slime begin to move towards the fallow crown. We will begin with Gaspar. I know we're 30 to 40 feet away from them, but are there any carts nearby not containing slime coffins? You see a child's wagon. (laughs) Large enough for an adult, but not made for hauling goods. Mm. Every other vehicle was being utilized to load up and transport these medical things. All right. Now, Halifon and Wusha are next to the blast zone, correct? Yeah. I'm going to reach towards my next dump, mm-hmm. summon a spinal whip to wrap around Halifon. Ooh. That is a 21 to hit you? 21 will hit Hal's AC, yeah. All right. Well, you're only taking four points of slashing damage, but then you are pulled 10 feet closer to me and hopefully away from this disgusting fountain. That is indeed what transpires. He, he had fallen off of the bed of the wagon and ooze is beginning to pour down, but you pull him 10 feet further as some of it slaps into the city street. At that point, it's just, on your feet, we are getting the hell out of here. Oi, let's blow this nose. I think that's a smart tactic. There's no reason to stay and do battle. This isn't the Axis. Move it, whoosh. I'll cover you. On my way. And with that, I am going to use my DM powers to turn this combat into a skill challenge. So the new objective is to get away from all of these creeping, exploding oozes as they tear open coffins, releasing more, and fall from the tall windows of skyscrapers. And there, far down the street, you can see the entrance to the Aura headquarters, covered in yellow tape that has been ripped away, and the front door is wide open. So I'm going to start again at the top with Gaspar, just because he set the tone and transformed this into a very exciting skill challenge. So, with all the makeshift barricades and ramshackle fortifications along the buildings, Gaspar is going to try and climb up one of the sides of this street to get onto a precariously built structure in an attempt to dislodge it from its very weak attachment and send it down onto the street to create more of a a dam or anything that will slow down the slime. Gotcha. Yeah, quickly leaping up to some metal bars and scampering up a few floors of a well-corroded fire escape that clung to the side of one of the skyscrapers. You can see that where the ooze is popping out of some of the windows and through some of the bricks of the buildings, the nuts and joints that affix it to the side are starting to decay and corrode. And putting your shoulder into it, you can knock several floors of these metal beams and ladders and grates down into the street as some of the oozes slowly crawl forward towards where your party is, stopping to have to corrode their way through some of this metal. But do I get hurt while doing it? 
That's a 28. A 28. Yeah, with your, uh, that's acrobatics? Yes. Or if you'd like athletics, that's a 23. I would have asked for acrobatics because the doing of it is very doable for your skill set, but the surviving it is the challenge. Yes. So you actually managed to ride one of the staircases sort of down and leap off of it 15 feet from the ground before it impacts and land with a nice combat roll, absorbing most of the impact. I'll just, you know, try and be cool and go like, eat that, and then look back, and it's eating the fire escape way faster than I thought it was. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) It's true. It seems as though the sentientness of this slime is able to change its corrosiveness, realizing it is now dealing with metal. It kind of glows red hot from the inside like amber, and the metal begins to hiss and bubble away like a welding torch. Next in the skill challenge is Pentecost. All right. As the Fallow Crown flees through the streets of Zenith, Pen is going to try to scout ahead, getting a slightly better vantage point with Mirthful Leaps, and wants to direct the party down areas where they will make less noise. I'd like to make a stealth roll. Okay, let's see it. I just need to use these dice when we actually play. (laughs) Apparently. That is a dirty 20. A dirty 20, okay. Using your Mirthful Leaps, you can get on top of one of the many large medical wagons near the main square and get a better vantage point and view of the upcoming street and what is behind you. And you can see a couple of the alleyways up ahead are literally filled to the brim with ooze that is beginning to creep out. And you can direct the fallow crown into a path that does not garner its attention and effectively avoid the mouth of that opening where ooze would come a gushin in the mightiest way. (laughs) <laughs> Next in the skill challenge is Halifon. Gaspar didn't end up doing anything with that little kid's wagon that was there, right? <laughs> Correct. Nope. He simply identified it as one of the resources he could take advantage of in his way. All right. Can I ready an action to grab Woosh and throw him into the wagon <laughs> and then jump on top of Woosh and the wagon and steer it around with my halberd like a gondola? It's a bit much, um, but I do (laughs) love the visual of it. You're trying to give Um, us a radio fly speed? Yeah, I'm trying to give us a radio fly speed. (laughs) I understand. Maybe just throw Woosh into the wagon and worry about piloting it later. So here's the thing. Um, If he's not combating you, Woosha would allow you to push and toss him for the sake of, it's a trustful thing, and Wusha is very trusting. What I want you to do, and this is a little unorthodox, is to roll me a straight charisma check, and this is a luck roll, to see how close to the medical wagon the child's wagon is. Okay. (laughs) All right, just just pure d20 plus my charisma modifier? Please and thank you. All right. Okay. I rolled a 10, plus 2 is 12. So better than 50% there. (laughs) Okay. Unfortunately, it's not a success. That is unfortunate. For the DC that is set for this. So I'm going to have you follow that up with an athletics check. Okay. We'll say Hal's not 
I haven't taken any damage from the ooze, right? Correct. All right. I will say I'm not raging then, so this is no advantage. Oh, that's a two on the die. Wonderful. For a total of eight. All right. Your plan is to hurl Wusha from the medical truck towards the child's wagon. Yes. When you attempt to lift Wusha, you find it strangely easier than usual, despite the weightiness of the ambient atmosphere. And as he kind of glides through the air, he falls very slowly. Mm. Gaspar noticed this as well while jumping down from the fire escape. Everything seems to be moving almost in a slight slow motion. Unfortunately, Wusha's feet were stuck in this amber slime, and you're not strong enough to hurl him as far away as the wagon was. So Wusha just kind of face plants right into the concrete of the street, <laughs> a good six feet away from this child's wagon. Hal, I don't think your plan is working. <laughs> Normally, since this was going to be a combat, this would be the enemy's turn, but it is now a skill challenge. So I will just describe what the oozes are doing. The coffin slash medical chamber that you two broke open is right next to you, over the top of this truck that you got pulled out of. And uh, you can see inside of the slime that was in this box is a floating decayed almost skeleton to the point where there's just a little bit of skin left, almost mummified. It looks like a humanoid with very feline features, wearing some very decayed, over-sexualized leather gimp gear. No. <laughs> he died as he lived, sealed in a vat of lube. And uh, some of the other piles of ooze around you also have skeletons inside of them. As they creep towards you, some of them become more clear. One of them looks like a very short humanoid shape covered in corroded fabric, like a walking mound of dirty laundry with large <laughs> toes and fingers. One of them appears to be a massive feline skeleton crawling through the ooze, almost prowling as its undead eyes glow with a golden mysticism. And they are closing in on you as several more fall from nearby skyscrapers. You also hear the sound of a loud crack as one of the buildings that towers overhead is now too top-heavy from slime to support its own weight. Ah, oh, shit. Next up is Wuxia, who is now face down on the blacktop. <laughs> Wuxia is going to try to prop himself up as best as possible and look around desperately for a solution to get his feet out of the ooze. Is there anything I can see relatively around me that it looks like the ooze has been let's say, enjoying eating more than anything else? Something that <laughs> something left that seems to draw their, their preference? Within reach? Unfortunately, you're just kind of in the middle of the street. Um, but you can see that they, the oozes that were present before you got here seemed to enjoy eating the vegetation that was made in these manicured gardens. Okay. So clearly organic matter seems to be their uh, go-to. If I were to bust out my magical yanking spear, could I pull a chunk of that vegetation toward me? I think that sounds very good. Awesome. My plan is to tug a piece of vegetation toward me and then chuck it somewhere away from me, making an animal handling check to make them let go of me. Animal handling. Interesting. 
I'm happy to switch that around to another check, but that was that was the first thing that jumped out to me. I'm going to call it a survival check because there is some okay. some pecking order of nature involved here, but not the empathy that one would find with a sentient creature like an animal. Totally reasonable. My score has just happened to be the same for both of those. I had an assumption. <gasps> Ooh, I got a 19 total. Well, all right. Your spear is made for this. You hurl it out. Your aim is true, and it buries into a half-broken branch on one of the corroded trees. You give it a strong yank. It snaps free, and then dragging along the ground, you pull it towards yourself as the ooze climbs its way up your ankles and, well, ankle, (laughs) and (laughs) makes its way to your kneecap. I actually need you to make me a dexterity saving throw. Oh, I'm not good at this. Do I have disadvantage for being prone? Uh, Not on this one. Sick. Nine. The kickaxe has been eaten. The wooden handle that holds it to your leg has been completely corroded through, and there's a heavy clunk as the sharp pick head falls to the ground, all magic dissipating from within it. But you do manage to bring this branch to you and hurl it nearby distracting some of the oozes creeping away towards this much more readily available vegetation and not the gross, already partially decomposed flesh of Wuxia. Sweet. I'm going to tuck my spear back under my arm and have it pick me up like a, like a, a crutch. There's also a child's wagon right there. <laughs> oh, don't worry. I'm on top of it and start hobbling my way over to the wagon to stump my knee onto it. But these oozes do have the ability to consume magic items quite easily, and I wanted to bring that into the skill challenge. I appreciate that. Back to the top is Gaspar. Seeing how effective Wuxia's tactic was, Gaspar tries to visualize how he can improve upon it. (laughs) So, reaching in once again to his stump to tap into a well of necrotic energy, he pulls forth a spinal column, tosses it onto the ground, and the Vulpidexa screams into existence around him. Oh, no. Look over. Make yourself useful. And (laughs) try and get it to head into the slime, like, see if it can get behind the slime, if there's still a path, so Mm -hmm. they can be distracted to flow the other direction. Before, you know, inevitably being surrounded. Now this is an animal handling check. Love it. I'm famous for these. That is a 16. That will do. So you instruct the Vulpidexa what to do. You sign it up for martyrdom. (laughs) (laughs) And using its agile vulpine body and its keen reptilian climbing abilities. It sort of leaps onto the side of one of the buildings and scampers briefly before landing back on the ground. And it starts to kind of kite some of the nearby puddles of ooze to follow it, like some sort of grotesque canine pied piper with rats of slime, pulling them away from the group. I'd kick it with rats of slime. (laughs) The sequel to The Grapes of Wrath. (laughs) (laughs) I think that was the secret of Nim. <laughs> the next up, we have Pentecost. The group is making progress. 
Wusha is still a little ways behind you, but you're getting away from some of the oozes and creating barricades and distractions to make them avoid you. Yeah, while that's going on, still from a slightly elevated vantage point, Penn is going to use that to use athletics to start grabbing onto the arms of her teammates and helping them uh, maneuver around the city. Certainly. Let's see it. That's a little rougher. That's a 15. Still enough. So leaping down from one to another, you're helping your allies get to their feet and corralling them forward, moving the group some more. Wusha still falling behind because he's missing a leg. I have a wagon. <laughs> that brings it to Halifon. All right. Well, we're, are we trying to run away or are we trying to get into the aura building? It seems to be your destination. Okay. And they are one and the same. Okay. With the Volpidexa sort of drawing the slime away and Woosh kind of getting chewed on as he leaves, Hal is going to attempt to... There's, there's a lot of debris around, right? To say the least. Okay. Can I, like jump inside a, a cardboard box and try and uh, Metal Gear Solid my way into the building with a stealth roll? I'd allow a stealth roll. All right. Yeah, stealth. I'll just, I'll use like a, like an empty cardboard box or something. Mm-hmm. I was going to try and do it in one of the, the metal coffins if there was like an empty one, and then I realized that sneaking inside of a, a large hollow metal <laughs> object would probably be about as much stealth as Hal usually has. 17. Nice. Okay. You overturn a large kind of reddish cardboard box embossed across the side is enchantment tater flakes, zesty barbecue. And flipping it over, you gain both the advantage of being shielded from these very simple-minded oozes and a single bag of enchantment tater flakes, zesty barbecue <laughs> flavor. And, uh, it seems as though they can kind of trace you with a tremor like sense, but, Something about the box, you could feel like pseudopods every now and then kind of slap against it, and they just kind of give up, realizing this is probably not an organic shape. This is just a box tumbling down the street. If I had failed my stealth roll, it would have been how opening the package of chips making a bunch of noise. (laughs) Yeah, or it would have like exploded in your face and filled your nostrils with spicy barbecue. Yeah, it could be that too. And that brings us to Wusha. All right. Law, I'm still not 100% sure what skill this would be associated with. But let Mm -hmm. me pitch you my idea, yeah? Pitch me, baby. So I've got the one stumpy, broke-ass leg on the wagon, yeah? Uh Uh-huh. I'm going to pull my other leg into the wagon. I'm going to bust out both of my spears, and I want to try to wagon slalom, like, as fucking (laughs) hard and forward as I can with this bad boy. Okay. I mean, it does sound very much athletics-y. It does. Unless unless you had something like tinkering... (laughs) Not really. <laughs> you know what? I need you to roll me a a seafaring check. <laughs> you you fucking got it. Uh, what ability score do you want associated with this? Strength. All right. All right. Mm, I get an 18 total. This tiny child's wagon becomes your life raft. <laughs> your harpoons become your oars. And the blacktop, your open sea. As you begin rowing yourself, as you have many times in the past, 
across <laughs> the concrete, soaring past Panikos, soaring past Hal and Gaspar. They had no idea you had this much rowing potential. <laughs> Legs ain't never stopped me before, gangway! And with that, the fallow crown enters the broken open gate of the Aura headquarters, leaving behind the ooze in the street and witnessing the horror waiting for them inside. Welcome back to consciousness, Mr. Rospero. I bet nobody saw that coming. If those are the jokes we have to listen to, you're better at torture than I would have guessed. I don't get it. I promised you both a game. This is our first for the night. It's called Give an Inch. I'm going to ask you two some questions. And if you lie to me, your supports will be lowered one inch. And if you lie to me enough, well, I won't be the only color. And you'll just magically know if we're lying, I take it? Quite literally. This entire warehouse is fitted with extremely powerful runes, creating a zone of truth that I can activate with the press of this button. You simply won't have a choice. Ha! Joke's on you. I'm about as honest as an elevator fart. I never fib any fables. Well then, Mr. Bradley, why don't you tell me your darkest secret? Darkest? I hate the dark. I'm a lame brand human. The species best known for stupid eyes and dumber hats. It's a pretty serious design flaw. I've banged more ankles and pinky toes than one of those weird foot scridios they keep behind the beads. No, I mean a secret that you've never told anyone. Something personal. Well, if I said that out loud, it wouldn't be something I never told anyone before. Stop avoiding the question. Why isn't the enchantment working? You idiot. Don't you know how zones of truth work? Dirk is speaking honestly from the heart. He's not playing any mind games or manipulating his answers. He's just saying exactly what comes to mind. This game stinks. Plus, it's unfair. I'm like six hot dogs taller than half-stack rust cakes over here. That's like 20 bonus inches. Pretty racially insensitive, Peter. Just shut up. All right, Warren. Why don't you tell me your darkest secret? I... No, not in front of Dirk. Whoa, now just slow down. Yes, slowly you descend to your demise. Now tell me your dark secret. Brok saknolikainyo, arikmot nain urongatniel moraka. You can say that again. What the hells is that? Why did the mechanism stop? That is the secret stone tongue of the Deep Heart Brotherhood, a language known only by a select few members and passed down orally through the centuries. Your magic doesn't care what language I tell the truth in. Brains and smarts. That's my Rusty. You two are seriously pissing me off. I'll be back with something far more cruel. In the meantime, you can just hang here, waiting for the real pain to begin. Okay then, see you soon. Hey, hey bring some snacks! Ugh, jerks. I'm getting the nougat shivers. Nicely done, Dirk. If we can just frustrate him to the point of madness, he may slip up and give us what we need to get out of here. And then, slowly gain his trust, help him see the light, and then in no time we're best friends. I think I love him. I can change him. I can change him. Yep. 
we're doomed. We're about to witness a planar phenomenon, a keyhole between worlds that only marketing can penetrate. Join me as we glimpse into the adverse. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, I'm Dana Ebert, TTRPG author and game designer, and most recently, the co-founder and creative director of TPK Brewing Co. We're a majority queer, women of color-owned craft brewery coming to Portland, Oregon in 2023. What you'll find when you visit is an ale for every tale, and a staff of full-time professional game masters, ready to guide you on adventures in our original post-cataclysmic setting of Valruvina. You can learn more at tpkbrewing.com and support our crowdfunder campaign to help launch a standalone prequel adventure titled The Blooms That Feed on Fire. It's only here for Questember, so make sure to check it out before the end of the month. Here's a sneak peek. Oh, they were always afraid of me, you know. Even before they called me Ashbringer, they sent armies to try and stop me. And then they sent assassins. And now they've sent you, heroes. <laughs> Which of your ideals are you willing to die for? Because if the fire of your convictions burns weakly, then the fires of mine will consume you like everything else. Now ready yourselves. This is for the fate of Valruvina. Hey, all you cuties. People who skip the mid-roll hate these three easy steps. Find out why. Welcome back to episode two of the Betweenoverse. It won't be long now till we're back to our normal Battle Axis storyline. But until then, we hope you're enjoying the spooky fun. We recently uploaded some stat blocks and artwork from the Ayavo stream chapter to our Patreon. So if you'd like to get those rewards and so much more, go give it a look. Even a small monthly donation makes a huge difference in helping the show stay alive. Don't believe me? Just ask the Discord. And our top tiers include amazing rewards like making characters to join the show's meta or getting your name mentioned with your legendary mid-roll team. 
Our current legendary mid-roll teams are the Titans Rise, the Ceaseless Horde, and this week's featured team, the Twilight Concord, with Maisie, Mike Gordon, Big Boy Roy, and Kaylin Oliver. You can also help by leaving a review or giving us a shout-out on social media. We're pretty likely to respond, react, or share. To get a personal message read on the show or for possible advertising opportunities, reach out to admin at slapdashstudios.com. Follow us at twitch.tv forward slash slapdash streams for Monday Night Live premieres of the show, our BST Solink Nuzlocke on Thursdays, and Pen Pals featuring Monster Prom on November 10th. Our temporary mailing address while waiting for the new P.O. Box is 2511 Southeast Pine Street, Portland, Oregon, 97214. We love seeing the things that fans have to send us. But that's enough out of me. Let's get you back to the Betweenoverse. New from Forever Level 21. The brand new all-in-one attire accessory to change the way you dress yourself. It's a shirt. It's pants. It's shants. Simply flip the cuffs, fold twice, unclasp the safety buttons, utilize the decompression zipper, and in no time, your shirt is now pants. Pants your shirt. Shirt your pants. The sky is the fashion limit with shants. You can pants your shirt, you can shirt your pants. Give up on life, get a pair of shants. Having fled from the ooze invasion that seemed to have taken over Zenith, you enter the front foyer of the Aura headquarters, every bit like a hospital. And it is in disarray. There are corroded corpses flung over desks, trapped halfway between elevator doors, mid-lift, dangling from the ceiling at escape hatches that they tried to flee through and failed. And all of the Magitek lights are dead, dark, save for one glowing and flickering behind one of the front desks, a small scry quarter hooked up to a larger machine that seems to be the only source of Magitek power that you've seen since you came out of the Axis. The smell of decay and blood doesn't seem to linger in the air like a scent, but like a taste that you can feel trickling down your throat. Bad day to get a cough. Um, what in all the hell's happened here? Do any of you know how to use one of those? Wusha's going to point at the glowing screen. I've never done it, but I've, I've seen people do it plenty of times. You just, you just bleep the boops. Oh! the boops that I, I think I can do it now unless anybody stops him Wuxia is going to step with one leg and slide the wagon with the other one over toward it roll me an <laughs> intelligence check Wuxia oh boy that's a 13 you all see Wuxia's finger hover a little too long over the delete button <laughs> uh, before he scratches his head and shifts a few inches to the left and hits a large play button. A Magitek hologram appears over the screen of what looks like a scientist wearing hazmat gear, the helmet in his hands, and a crackly, broken message plays out. Unregistered ship docked. Zenithal guard investigated 
contamination spread. Ship remains dock. Must destroy source. No hope spreading life form. Danger for quarantine origin. And then it breaks. Well, you had a hunch. I turned to the team. I knew it all along. Someone dropped anchor with bad mayonnaise. <laughs> the worst mayonnaise. <laughs> the Malayanese. <laughs> <laughs> mayonnaise. Slayoli. <laughs> <laughs> so, to the best of your knowledge, according to this recorded message that plays right before the scry quarter fizzles out, the last of its battery life expended. There was a ship that pulled into the dock, and that's when the outbreak started. You thought you heard something about destroying the source, but it was pretty garbled. <sighs> Didn't we just come from the dock? No, we came from the, the portals, which is not the docks. We gotta go to the docks. Well, that was the plan if we couldn't find any help here. Take a ship and try and get down to the surface. I can fit one more person in my little knee wagon. <laughs> No, you can't. You really can't. <laughs> Actually, Woosh, let's see if uh, Hal's going to look around and see if if there's any sort of prosthetic that we can attach to to free him of the wagon. Because all it would take is one flight of stairs and Woosh would be toast. <laughs> there are an abundance of crutches within your line of sight. All right. It's better than nothing. I don't know, Hal. I could take that one. But this little bastard has four feet. Yeah, but whoosh, all the elevators are offline, which means to get anywhere we have to take stairs. No. And that has wheels. You're right. That wouldn't work. All right, get me the thing. Wooshaw's handed one of the larger crutches from a tall individual, and it's adjustable, so you can click it to its maximum height. And it'll function for the time being as a temporary fulcrum with which you can throw yourself against the earth now if i wanted to find a really small one and jam it backwards into my leg hole there's too much of the previous leg still there it would require some help and medical attention understandable all right happy with what i have now you all know that to get to the ring gates and the outer dock is quite a different direction than you were headed to get to the aura headquarters but there are back doors that kind of lead to a courtyard inside of this hospital structure that are somewhat in the right direction. And Gaspar, as you peer through those doors, which seem like they've been forced open, you see something very exciting to you. You see a completely unattended medical sloop that seems to be solar-powered, and the thought of getting to fly an unregistered vehicle with no law enforcement through the streets of Zenith tingles down your spine. <laughs> oh, we're about to go so fast. Okay, everybody on the sloop. Here we go. Pile in. Wusha. Oi. You're in charge of the, uh, the siren sounds. <laughs> Oi, Captain. <clears throat> it's a Harry and the Hendersons moment. Law, does it look like this sort of reception area that we're in 
I assume has already been like broken into by slime and quarantine here has been breached. Very much so. It looks like a lot of slime passed through here and corroded its way through everyone in the waiting room and then made its way out to the streets. Okay. No, is there any equipment left over from the people who were like defending it? Do they have any countermeasures that I can tell? It seems like they were just trying to fight them off with whatever they could, but anything that was once utilized as a weapon was completely decayed and corroded away. Okay. So it doesn't look like there are any like useful supplies. Unfortunately, one of the main traits of these foes is to consume that which is used against them. Okay. And taking a moment to familiarize yourself with the controls and speed settings of this medical sloop, you can tell that it's fast and it's durable, but it doesn't have a long range. It's not made for traveling any further than within the bounds of Zenith. It wouldn't be able to leave the satellite. It doesn't have that kind of power or fuel economy. It would just drift in the void. But for the gravitational control of Zenith, you can cruise this baby with some tight angles. And it's got about half fuel life. So you power it up, and it immediately lifts off the ground by a few inches. And uh, this is a pretty new model. Ooh. Um, so go ahead and give me whatever skill we've been using for your piloting. Uh, that is 19. Excellent. You cruise up through the top, the ring ceiling in the middle of this hospital, out into the streets of Zenith, and you all get a very disturbing view of what's happening below. Several large buildings are beginning to crack and tip over, being held up by ones on the opposing street. And these gouts of honey-like slime are trickling downward. There are no screams and no panic, for anything within your line of sight has already been consumed. But that does not stop the entity from searching. You cruise between buildings, weave through tall manicured gardens of trees, all eaten away, zip out of the central ring, and make your way to the docks. As usual, there is a miscellany of strange alien ships of all make and fashion, long abandoned, some starting to sink into the void below the satellite hung barely by the ropes that attach them to the dock. But there seems to be a gap, a, a halo of nothingness around one of the ships that's almost pushed away every other vessel. And this ship appears to be fleshy, breathing, undulating in and out with a sheen of honey-brown slime over the outside of it orifices where windows would be, dripping this horrible slime into the void. And there are bodies of Zenithal Guard, armor and suits eaten away, weapons corroded to dust in a wake of the dock around it. Ugh, I've seen a galleon, but I've never seen a ghoulian. Ah... <laughs> uh. Wusha. Oi? Any of these other ships in dock uh, uh, particularly uh, heavily armed? Do you think they'd have any cannons we could use to attack? Most of them look like their insides don't work no more. If we were to dig around, we may be able to find some weaponry like that, but I don't know how much it'd help right now. We need something to make it go. 
in your time using whatever ship jobs you could get to fill your pockets with coins while you survived in the ring between seasons, you learned a lot of ins and outs of how Zenith handles its ships. Sometimes there are military ships used, but for the most part, weaponized ships aren't allowed to keep dock here. These are trade vessels, transports. Anything that could be a threat to the citizens of Zenith is highly monitored and probably kept either somewhere else or kept away from the satellite, and then small transports would bring crews back and forth. I'm going to lean over to Hal and say, I don't know if I'd be able to find them, but if they was squirreling something mean away, I bet Gasper could. I think I have a good knack as to where people keep their dangerous things. I couldn't agree more. So what is your plan? So using this sloop, we're going to head over on a scouting mission for salvageable tools. Has the slime reacted to us flying around at all? That depends on whether or not you're descending towards the dock. It sounds like you are. Sounds like we are. You make a low pass at a safe distance to get near some of the other vessels and sort of look over the decks and ascertain what kind of cargo they might have. Um, Looking for potential weaponry... You see one that looks like it could probably launch its anchor with a great deal of force, possibly for some sort of void storm that it might get stuck in. Hard to weaponize, but potential. One of them has a figurehead on the front of it that decoratively is holding a pair of swords out. Should you be steering this, you could probably crash it into something and cause a great deal of piercing damage, but that would involve a crew of several dozens of people. And some of them have dead bodies aboard that are possibly armed with swords and crossbows and spears. Nothing you don't already have access to. And as you're circling around, keeping your eyes peeled for anything to use as a weapon, it seems like the outer layer of the slime ship that seems to surround this breathing, fleshy vessel starts to creep upward, almost like it's forming a gooey head a long, skinny neck as it watches you. It just simply keeps its strange, oozy eyes locked onto your ship. It just seems to follow the medical sloop like an eye stock. Locked on, curious, breathing, and undulating. All right, any smart ideas? Because I have a dumb one. I, I have a dumb one, too. Wonder if it's the same. I only have dumb ideas. We all look at Penny. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Dumb ideas are some of my favorites. Do you think it's intelligent? Well, it's curious, at least. Okay, let's say our dumb idea on the count of three. (laughs) Right. All right, one, two, three. Figure it. Rounding speed. (laughs) Okay. Well. All right, we take the figurehead and we make ramming speed. Yes, I don't see why we can't do multiple of those plans simultaneously. Oh, this is true. All right. The medical sloop descends down to the deck of one of the transport ships that has a decorative figurehead on the front. None of the ships look like they're carrying, like, overproof rum or (laughs) some sort of black powder or anything like that, do they? That would involve several hours of investigation. There are a lot of ships. 
Yeah, well, failing failing to see anything that resembles an explosive, <laughs> ramming it with another ship seems like our best option. Well, the good news is uh, because everything seems to be somewhat corroded, um, the figurehead does look like it's fairly removable without too much effort. Unless you're talking about trying to steer this ship, which no, no, seems no, no. Long, long dead. Yeah, we are detaching the figurehead and attaching it to ours. All right. Does anyone have a skill they would like to utilize that would uh, equate to welding something onto something else? Oh, man. Sea vehicle proficiency? <laughs> I mean, yeah, just latching it on there. I mean, I would count that as a, as a nautical repair, but it was, it's going to be based on intelligence. I'm willing to take that risk because that's the only thing I can see in my repertoire that would make any sense. Okay. Unless somebody has a better idea. Well, the good news is you'll have everyone helping you, lifting and pulling, so I'll give you advantage. Oh, sick. It'll be a team effort that somehow they chose you to coordinate. <laughs> Wuchar gets a 15 total. Okay. This figurehead attached to this small medical sloop definitely pushes it a little past its max capacity. It moves kind of slow. It's a little front heavy. It has kind of a <laughs> struggle to the engine, um, but it will move. It'll move faster than you can move. Can I? Oh, it's faster than us? Yeah. All right. I was going to say, can I activate my radiant soul and get out and push with my wings? Hey, you can now, give it a little a extra oomph idea. from behind. Yeah. I mean, if you're hanging on to it, your wings are just going to give it a little more boost. All right, that's that's Hal's idea. Then he's gonna roll up the sleeves of the shirt he's not wearing. <laughs> Hal, yeah, push us up towards the anchor launcher. All right. <laughs> oh yes, Hal's gonna Hal's gonna activate Radiant Soul. I'm gonna kind of flex, and two wings are gonna erupt from my back, and I'm gonna start trying to muscle the ship, the sloop, up to the ship that has the anchor launcher, so that we can. F- fire the ship Mm -hmm. at the other ship with the figurehead on the front to get a ramming speed boost. Okay. Um, Go ahead and give me an athletics check. All right. I I will go ahead and expend a rage to strain against our inevitable death here and take advantage on this roll. Sure. If you're fine with that. Yeah. 17. Okay. Not a great roll. You are adjacent to the anchor launcher, which I'm regretting imagining out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> What's the next plan? How how looks it, Gaspar? <laughs> All right. <laughs> I got it here. What now? Uh, someone needs to man the anchor launcher. I will aim this vessel as best as I can. You don't have to be on the vessel as well. What should I do, Gaspar? Perhaps we need something that it has not consumed before. Um, something it has not adapted to. I, uh, I open a package of enchipment tater flakes. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard you can't eat just one. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying I should load it up with just one chip. I think maybe if we just feed it one, we can distract it with the yeah, rest of the package. Its hunger will consume it from the inside. It will come to us, yes. Now we're supposed to destroy the source, right? Oh, I have a dum-dum. <laughs> I have more dum-dum. 
Let's keep digging toward the bottom of this barrel. Okay. So, once we're already moving, I don't know how your magic works, but try and turn as much of this ship and the figurehead into gold. Mm. Oh, weird. I like it. Okay. So the figurehead has two swords, right? Mm-hmm. Pen, do you have any smite spells? Yes, I know. Blinding smite. Um, is, is Eldritch smite not good enough? Well, I, I'm not. Can you smite with a weapon that you're not wielding? Uh, well, I, I don't know. Maybe Pin and I hold on to the swords on the figurehead. And we try and add a little bit of extra oomph to the blow when we hit. Pentecos looks up from her luck pamphlet with a pair of reading glasses. Uh, no, it has to be a melee attack. Mm. Well, we are going to get into melee. So yeah, so hold on to those swords and fill it with magic and we're going to blow this thing up. So the fallow crown angles this small medical sloop with a massive two-sworded figurehead tied to the front against the blast chamber of this anchor launcher and activating it easily from a distance, having a large lever, either one of Wuxia's spears or Gaspar's crossbow, could activate the mechanism. And as it fires, with all of the strength it takes to launch a three-ton anchor through the ether, it boosts the medical sloop forward, Gaspar white-knuckle gripping the wheel, steering it towards the living ship. Hal in the back, flaming wings wide, giving it an extra push as the statue and its swords, once made of a simple wood, begin to transmute into solid gold from the orification of Pentecost's arm. Soaring at an incredible speed, aiming true at the heart of the ship, all of you stop in midair as a massive gooey pseudopod wraps around the vessel and a huge unblinking ooze eye looks down into the cockpit as you are caught like a paper airplane and a voice echoes through the strange thick air. That is something I've never seen before. In all of my eons of consuming life problems, and taking over worlds. I have never seen such an act of reckless bravery and unpredictability. Tell me, little ones, who and what are you to approach the corrupt? Seeing as that pen has been right this whole time about intelligence ooze. I'm going to look right at her. God, I wish we had a, I guess, I wish we had a theme song. (laughs) (laughs) To be clear, Uh, I loved everything about that plan. It was going to end like this. Who are we? We're the fallow crown, bitch. (laughs) Oh, yes. A group with a name. Many here in this little metal box in the sky had names. They were as delicious as their flesh. Excuse you. But I have reached my fill for now. 
I have awoken my mind the magic and science of this city has fueled my evolution. I find myself asking questions like, why do I feed? What of the creatures whose lives I end will become? Is it empathy? Pity? Satisfaction? Guilt? Guilt, a curious concept new to the corner. Tell me, small, brave, confusing ones. Will you stay here with me and teach me of this guilt, this empathy, these thoughts in my mind? I'd be happy to teach you how to be a regular whatever you are. I feel like we could learn a lot from each other. I can teach you a lot about guilt. How's at the back, like, looking at this thing and everyone else and, like, looking down at his package of enchipment tater flakes, like, trying to figure out, like, do I do something? Can I... What? Uh... And just looking confused. A long, thin pseudopod, one of countless that you assume could emerge from this ship, reaches out and nestles its way into the very entrance of the bag, pulling out a single chip and descending towards the mouth of the ship. This is little... <coughs> Zesty barbecue. Then let us begin the first lesson. I see this being the beginning of a very, very fruitful friendship. <laughs> And as the camera zooms out, away from this scene, we see the dock, the ships in disarray, the living, breathing ooze vessel, the entirety of Zenith, buildings beginning to crumble and crack, the pillar of the infinite axis, and the entirety of the satellite, encased inside of a translucent, undulating clear cube of ooze. Hey, easy there, Mr. Coldfinger. That's my head, not a stress ball. Now what are you up to, you big creep? Yeah, what's the deal with these matching leather door cats? Why does Rusty look cool with his on, but I look like the Prince of Belts? All right, I'm a human. Dumb hats run in my blood. These devices are outlawed in over 12,000 planes of existence. They're called necrotic extractors. They can be programmed magically to activate when the wearer does or says something specific, which floods the body with necrotic waves, waging war with your blood cells, organs, and nervous system. So we just don't have to do or say something. This is child's play. You're not even trying anymore. Joke's on you. I have more willpower than a bus full of Williams. I lasted almost two weeks before I ate all the dusty old candy rust box left in the back of his closet. Ow! 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 What gives? Don't you see, gentlemen? There are some things you simply can't avoid doing. It's in your nature. 
Mr. Bradley's extractor is programmed to cause Mr. Rusboro a great deal of agony every time he thinks about sweets. Sweets! And Mr. Rusboro's does the same to Mr. Bradley every time he gets annoyed. Rusty would never hurt me, except that time he stabbed me and all the verbal abuse. And I was sick as dusty candy made me. Farewell, gentlemen. Enjoy your evening. Now butterscotch. We're in some serious hot fudge now, pal. This ghost face bully's gonna flap our jacks maple style. Stop, you idiot! I'm sorry! Just clear your head. Think about anything else. Puppies, friendship, fashion. I can't take much more of this. And when you slip up, it really ticks me off. Right, right. Focus thoughts. I love my job. I love my best friend Warren. Now, I dream about owning a houseboat together and solving mysteries and throwing big, loud, rump-shaking parties. Ow. I had a dream. We went to a Max Dad's marathon together, and when the lights went down, we kissed. And then your beard turned into licorice cotton candy. Oh, oh no! Forbidden sugar! And that's where I'll end it. <laughs> well, it's I been it. Tiny Hut of Terror. <laughs> I mean, it has to have a, a Twilight Zone ending. Like, nothing was going to be good from the get-go. You know what they say, no ooze is good ooze, and we're here to mm. teach an ooze morality, so. I, I think the name of this episode is going to be Terror Cubed. Perfect. Aww, that's very good. Perfect. I know it's all silly. I, I didn't mean to have, like... Your grand weaponized shipping <laughs> plans end with it snatching it, but oh no, that was great! It no, really wouldn't yet. have hurt very much. No, <laughs> that's probably true. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, this ooze in particular is immune to slashing damage. <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, as the audience is now duly aware, we are doing a very improvised kind of emergency set of sessions to make sure we have some content. And plus, it's kind of fun. You know, I'm I'm digging it. Hell yeah. Because there is a lot of illness around the cast and in the cast with either people we are close to, and it's just a complicated time. So it's best to be safe for everyone and let those who need to recover, recover. And so this is the between verse which are sort of some fun, non-canonical horror chapters, a la Treehouse of Terror, um, for the audience to enjoy in the meantime. And to celebrate Halloween, because who doesn't love that holiday? So let's go around and give a quick hello from the people. Let's just start with Michael, because that's easy. Hello. I am one of the people. I'm Michael Loving. I played Halifon Orison Jr. And while I'm not sick, my children are. So I'm currently not exposing the cast to my children's diseases. And we hope your children get better very soon. They seem to be on the mend, so. That's wonderful. Yeah. Hopefully that trend continues. Hell yeah. I'm Angelo Kalug. I play Gaspar, who is sick in the head for coming up with that dumb idea. One after another. Just kept getting worse. Yeah, that was fun. (laughs) My name is Max Hobbs. I play Wusha Brianchild, the Wandering Tide, and I am sick of not seeing everybody's sweet faces. 
Aww. If I have a Wagon disease, boy. it's loving you guys. And when we get back to the normal world, you won't have your leg gone. <laughs> Yay! My kickaxe! And I am Dana Ebert. I play Pentecost, the fawn warlock. Yeah, I wasn't originally planning to record today because my household is sick. We have a small outbreak of COVID here. So yeah, I was I was pleasantly surprised to get the chance to do some remote re- uh, some remote recordings with y'all because I care about you all very much. I'm super glad you have the ability to join us today. It was again this to say that this is spur of the moment and as Michael pointed out, very slapdash is an understatement. There, this is we're going from zero to something here. And one of the fun things, like, I, I like the idea of you guys uh, is trying to escape from a fight and turning it into a skill challenge. That's very That was so much fun. And because of these, these corrupting oozes that I have some, some very briefly written up stats for would have had a lot of potential to just eat all of your magic items. And it would have been <laughs> kind of like a, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Dungeon Master, who are you? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm Law. I was the dungeon boy for this game. And uh, I usually play Ayavos. But this was, again, yeah, this was a fun little improvised gobbledygook, and it was silly good times. Hell yeah. Definitely my favorite part was the pivot from combat to skill challenge. That was perfect. That was excellent. Hell yeah. I mean, the city street's such a good setting for a, a skill challenge. It really is. Yeah, agreed. I, I love fleeing through city streets. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. I think my favorite part was Angelo's idea to use the anchor launcher to launch the <laughs> sloop. Like... Taking taking our already dubious idea and and doubling down with is, rocket propulsion that is so intrinsically D and D group. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, there were some good ones that came out of this. I feel like it does fit that like a uh, horror trope where it's just like, how do you defeat the big thing at the end? Just, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's all in. You yeah. glue garbage together until it works. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say my highlight is probably like the the end scene, mm-hmm, like it mm-hmm. all being encased in a inside of a gelatinous cube, basically. Yeah, like we're all we're already being digested. Cube. Right, we never had. That's why all the all the air felt funny and things fall because we were going through a because the ooze was in the air already. Dang, it was all just the us looking back on our lives before we were dead. And then Niavos' glasses break, and he can't read any books at the end of the world. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I wonder what Niavos did during that year of of oozy consumption. Anyway, (laughs) uh, thank you for joining us. There'll be one more of these improv chapters coming up next week that I believe will be run by Angelo. Oh, no. So we, as the cast, will be preparing for that shortly. Um, But we will see you then, and until next time, we wish you luck. (laughs) 